Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two, episode number 14. Ricketts Revenue Streams. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. And to follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at Fly the W670. Gmail.com. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. 530 to 10 weekdays on 670 the score, your radio home for Cubs baseball. And as always, I'm here with my guy Crowley. Crowley, how the heck are you? I'm good. We're going to try to do a great show, but I can't promise we'll be in the top five of the best Fly the W podcast, but we'll see. (laughs) Of course, what Crowley's uh, referencing there is uh, Tom Ricketts speaking to the media on uh, President's Day, no less, right? The uh, President's Day uh, visit from the chairman out to the uh, team in Mesa and then uh, talking to the assembled media. Yeah, the other day on Monday, um, they had obviously full squad workouts for the first time, and they invited fans to come out and watch, which was, which was a really great touch, brilliant move, marketing move. And Mr. Ricketts was there, of course, and uh, signing autographs, taking pictures, and like you said, talking to the media. So a lot of interesting topics that are kind of bubbling up to the surface here. Um, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, there's a term called RSN, and what that is is Regional Sports Network. It has been how MLB has gotten so profitable, but at the same time, it is a dying dinosaur right here as people continue to cut the cord, cut the cable. And what you've seen recently is there's a group called Diamond Holdings, and they've been in the news. They're the operators of Bally's Sports and owners of full broadcast rights for 14 teams. They just announced they're gonna enter a 30-day grace period to determine the future as it misses an interest payment and potentially declaring bankruptcy. So Diamond Holdings can't pay the bill. Now, the reason it's important to Cub fans is that what's happening with Diamond Holdings is that they are owned by Sinclair, which also is in a partnership with the Cubs to co-own Marquee. So this has no real impact, as uh, Mr. As Tom Rick had said the other day, it doesn't have any impact on, on uh, Marquee, but there's going to be a lot of teams that are struggling with this if, if, you know, Diamond can't pay the bills and they can't pay those 14 teams what they owe. MLB is going to have to step in, pick up the slack, and, and that's where we're going to start to take a look at a couple of options. But here's what Tom had to say about, Mark, the RSN model. Yeah, um, there's a lot of teams that are, are um, you know, are having some financial challenges at their RSNs, and we're not one of them. Um, Marquee has been a, uh, a great success both um, with the content and the game production, and financially it's pretty solid. So um, it doesn't affect us directly, but obviously we're concerned in the big picture because you want every team to have a healthy RSN, and, and hopefully um, over the next few months they'll be able to figure out a model that'll be more sustainable. Okay, so, you know, Marquis, they're saying it's steady, profitable, but, you know, there's going to be 14 teams that are in trouble, the Cardinals being one of them that is owned under the that, that Bally's network. So, Now, I thought I had read that uh, Major League Baseball may step in and take yeah. over if, in fact, they cannot uh, put this production on. Correct, and that's, and that's what's going to lead kind of to the next topic that Tom talks about, which is going to be the direct-to-consumer streaming model. And that's, that's something that fans have been asking for a while now. Because, you know, MLB, we've talked, Dustin, about stupid things MLB does. And one of the biggest, stupidest things that they do to hurt the game is blackouts, okay? In Iowa, you, could, you, you, don't have, you, are, you can't see six different teams in Iowa if you get the MLB network. My dad lives in southern Wisconsin. He can't watch the Cubs, Brewers, or uh, the White Sox. So it's just this ridiculous model that's antiquated. Who's his and team supposed to be? 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, and so, the Minnesota Twins? I mean, who's this team supposed to be? It, it, and that's the thing is that the regional sports networks have this area where they black everything out. And if you are within that area, you, can, you can't see it. So my brother, who's in Colorado, can watch the Cubs. My dad, who's an hour and a half away from Wrigley Field in Wisconsin, cannot. So that's kind of the goofiness. And you're wondering why the game is not growing. Well, that's probably number one on the list. But the one thing that people have wanted, especially with uh, cord cutting, is a direct-to-consumer model. So right now, I can watch Marquee anywhere in the Chicagoland area that I want on my phone um, because I subscribe to Comcast. So as long as you have a subscription to something that's, that has a deal with Marquee, you can get your content on your phone. Okay? You can get your content on your TV. You can get you know your con- Apple TV, whatever you have. What happens, Crowley, if you, let's say, go to vacation in Florida? Then it gets a little bit funky, and that's where the problems start to lie. And so um, it's not horrible because I can still watch it because I have my Comcast password, and it kind of like locks in with Marquee. So you're not in trouble. Um, But what fans really want, and especially cord cutters, is to say, you know what? What if I pay $120 a year, right, $10 a month for – a marquee app and I can watch anything or I can download it on my smart TV. So many people would rather do that. And I know a lot of cord cutters, friends of mine that haven't seen games since marquee started in 2020 because they don't have whatever cable package that has it. Comcast does, but I remember it used to be on Hulu. So if you just have Hulu, used to have marquee, not anymore. I believe YouTube used to too. So it's been a mess. And so this is what Tom had to say about a direct to consumer standalone. Yeah, we're we're still looking at that, and I think the the most important thing with our like our, our direct to consumer is we just want to do it right the first time. You know, we want to make sure that um, when we do have it out there, it's it's of good value to fans, and and we realize that the way people consume the game is changing, and we want to make sure we accommodate that. But it's kind of like a measure twice, cut once thing for us. We want to make sure we do it right, and and that may mean it's not 100% ready to go opening day, but um, and we'll see where it goes. Now, but couldn't he give us a little bit? I, I, I don't. I, I agree with the whole measure two times and cut one time. That that sound, that sound advice. No matter what you're doing, woodworking or just business. But what what? Give us some parameters. Give us some ideas. Give us a clue. What are you thinking? Is it an app? What, what exactly would it be? It'd be an app, and and so you would you'd be able to download on your phone on any smart TVs, and you wouldn't need anything else. You wouldn't need Hulu. You wouldn't need Comcast. So you if you so for me honestly, Dustin, there's three things I have: HBO, Netflix, and Marquee. Other than that, I don't need any other channel. Those are the three things I live off of. So if I wanted to, I could get standalones of all three things and not have to have anything else on my TV. Right. And so that's what you would be able to do. You'd have it on your phone. And so the question is, more than anything, is number one, the technology. You want to make sure that it's not glitchy and people aren't complaining from day one. That just gets you off to a bad start. You know what I mean? And so I, I get what he's saying. It makes complete sense. And this whole ba- Bally's you know, diamond holding thing has just upended the industry, to be honest. So the, I think the Cubs for a while have wanted to do something. The other thing they've wanted to do is go back to the model that anyone could potentially get it no matter where you live, right? So let's say, Dustin, you moved to California and you wanted to marquee and you wanted to pay $120 a year. Why wouldn't you be able to do that? And a lot of the, the smaller market teams do not like that idea. Well, I think the question is, Crowley, is that how much how much does marquee get per subscriber to, in your case, Comcast, in my case, AT&T, and if it is on YouTube TV, how much do they get from that? So that's where you have to figure out like the business partnerships, right? I mean, part of part of why people have AT and T or Comcast right now is because that's how you can consume the Cubs game. So, like to your point, it, it sounds like if I'm reading you right, that you would be willing to cut the Comcast cord if you were able to get an app because I know you can get an app for HBO right. and you can get an app for Netflix. Netflix is an app. And then if you could get an app for marquee, why you would still need the internet. That's the one thing I love about the cord cutting though. Like you could cut the cord, but you still have to have the internet. 
So you right. still need potentially Comcast, AT&T, Verizon, whoever to provide you the internet in order for your smartphones and smart TVs to connect to the apps. Right. And so, I mean, number one, we're, we're, we're talking first here about this direct-to-consumer thing, which is going to be a revenue stream for the Ricketts, correct? Right. Another revenue stream coming up is the sports book. Uh, sometime this summer, like we don't have a hard date yet, but uh, yeah, probably not. Op- you know, it's, it's not it's definitely not um, not opening day. It'll be sometime, you know, maybe late spring, early summer. And, and how does that affect the team as far as uh, revenues? Is, uh, I know that it's, it's kind of separate, but uh, that should help you in the long run. As far as your- yeah, it um, it's uh, well, what we primarily get out of that is DraftKings as a sponsor and all the sponsorship revenue goes you know, back through through the team to to the baseball guys to spend more or less so so DraftKings opening up in june or july is what the anticipation is now that's all right i mean listen you talk about measure twice cut once i mean you know literally and figuratively in that case listen the sponsorship is already there i I would i would bet so again unless he's lying to us and i don't think he's a liar I, I'm not accu- I'm not going to sit here and accuse Tom Ricketts of lying to us. You know, DraftKings is going to we'll make up a number, okay? DraftKings is going to pay the Cubs ten million dollars a year to be the official betting partner of the Chicago Cubs, whether or not Crawley or Dustin or any of our great subscribers can go buy a beer or place a you know same game parlay on the Cubs Reds game on May the third, as an example. Right, and, and the other thing they have is, is, is my my assumption is is they have to pay rent on the building, right? Right. So you you know it's all of the, those are all revenue streams that Tom keeps saying is going to go into the baseball operations. Right? But he just said right. But he just said it's it's the it's the DraftKings sponsorship that's actually paying the bill, not right. not the five dollar twenty dollar bet that you and I make. Right. No. So it's going to be the ten million a year for the naming rights, and it's I don't know what the rent would be. Right. So those are additional revenue streams coming in. This is the one coming up next, Dustin, that chips my hide. And I know people are going to sit there and they've already told me I complain too much and, and, oh, they have it on NBA jerseys. No, they have it on soccer jerseys. The jersey patch. This is what Ms. Tom Ricketts had to say about the jersey patch. Yeah, the, um, uh, so, yeah, the jersey patch. Um, yeah, we, we've had some conversations with some really great companies about um, being our jersey sponsor. You know, we'll have to... I'm, I'm yeah. I can't do it, Dustin. I, I cannot literally look at my Cubs jersey. Here's who I have on my Cubs jersey, the Walking Bear and Harry Carey, rest in peace. I don't need any of that other garbage. You're going to start looking like a NASCAR driver. Well, I think that's where you have to draw the line, okay? Like, if it's NASCAR-ish, then it's an issue. And I know you don't consume a lot of the other sports, but let's just use the Bulls as an example. They they have a, um, a glasses, an eyewear company, Zenny, I believe it is, and it's a very small little patch. Now, I don't know what the money is, but Crowley, I'm with you. I was the same guy. The first thing I remember the Cubs doing... And you'll you can correct me and please do. I remember a Weber Grill logo on the um, outfield left field outfield steel doors, and I thought, oh my god, that's unbelievably bad. Then then we had the Toyota sign go up in left center field, and I thought, no way. Okay, then then they put a video board up, and I thought, oh, they can't do that. The video board is glorious, Crowley. I love to see the replays. I love to see the crowd. I love to see and maybe hear Pat Hughes, you know, on the call of the replay on the scoreboard. So th- that stuff used to bother me. It doesn't bother me anymore. And again, it all comes back to this. How much? Here's the thing, and I'd want to know, and I would ask this question. Here's your here's your first question next year to Tom Ricketts at CubsCon, assuming that this patch goes through. Tom. Tom, how much is Twitter paying you to be the official sponsor of the Cubs jersey? Okay, and then if that if that pays the bill for X player, or if that helps you get a if that helps you get a hundred million dollars closer to Shohei Otani, 
I'm sure you'll take it. Let, that's where I want to stop you here really quick. Number one, it was Under Armour on the doors. That's where it started. It was the I, I remember it. Oh, clear. first I thought it was Weber Grill. Then it went to Under Armour. I Arm, thought it was Under, Weber Grill first. Under Armour on the doors was the very first thing I remember it clear as day. And boy, didn't they ever do time. Weber? Wasn't Weber? They did have some Weber stuff on. Before. Okay, all right. But on, on those doors that you're talking about, one of them's the bullpen. Yeah, it was the it was the Under Armour. Well, right? now the bullpen. Then it wasn't the bullpen. Right, and so that pissed me off beyond belief. And then, you know, here's the thing, Dustin. You say, oh, it's a little patch for the glasses place, right? That's what they told us again about Wrigley. They're just going to have these on the doors and that's it. And then now <laughs> you take a look and I swear it said Gallagher. It's an insurance company with spray painted along the baselines. Like, when is it going to be too much? And again, if you're telling me, Dustin, and this is kind of where we're kind of heading here with this, is that this is all this revenue is coming in and it's going to get showing. Otani, or remember, I brought this up a while ago, and now people are talking about it, Manny Machado opt-out, or whatever you want, then then you know what? I was willing to go that way. But here's the thing. I said that when it came down to building a hotel, and when it came down to having all these places at Gallagher Park, and, all, and I like those things. I have no problem. My key was is that when you're putting those things up, every time we're told that something's happening, a patch, a giant macaroni noodle, a Weber grill or an Under Armour, Whatever you want to call it, every time the justification is it's going towards the payroll. But then all of a sudden, when we start talking about payroll, that's when all of a sudden, well, you know, you don't want to do this and you don't want to. Well, then where's the money going that you told me was coming in from these revenue streams? That's my question. Right. And it's going to get into the whole tax, right? It's going to get into into that. That, that If that would have been a drinking game, I said this this morning on Mully and Haw. If Tom referencing the tax would have been a drinking game, you would have needed four Advil or you would have had a raging headache when you woke up on Tuesday morning. Right. And, and, and honestly, you're worried about like a 10-pick penalty? Like, does anyone know who the 120th pick from the draft was? Like, does it really matter after th- five? It doesn't really matter. Really. Probably not. You know, it really comes down Probably to scouting not. and development. It's it, this whole, you know, it's it's frustrating for me and so this was a question he was asked um about spending in mlb i think the spending that we saw from the mets the padres the phillies is that good for the game look you know um i think the way i would put it is like we're we're focusing on what we do here um and what other teams do isn't really something that i'm gonna you know comment on or worry too much about the key is that we, we like what we have and um And I think we have a good strategy for putting a consistent winner on the field. So, you know, you know, you saw him take a pause, which before he answered that. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, you you know, it's kind of like what your parents used to tell you. If, If Jimmy jumped off the bridge, would you do the same thing? Well, you know what? I'm seeing teams spend. And, and, and honestly, the best teams have is what you see the Dodgers model where you see good scouting, good development, and they have no problem spending money when they need to. They don't sit there and, 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 and start looking for pennies in between the cushions. Okay, you, you know, when they want something, they go out and get it. When they need a Mookie Betts, no problem. And there's a lot of teams that are going over the payroll tax. And, and then one of my favorites is Tom was asked this question about a quote from the Padres owner. Did you see John Middleton's quote? Essentially, he was saying like, uh, Profits are meaningless for in this game for, for baseball owners because like who remembers if the 27 Yankees were profitable? Nobody knows the big red machine if they were profitable. So he doesn't want to be known for being profitable. So can you kind of see that sentiment? Like is that a is that yeah? A I mean, sentiment? basically, um, yeah. You know, I think basically what all, if not maybe almost all teams do, yeah. is you bring in all your revenue, pay all your fixed costs and then give everything else to your baseball organization. So I think, you know, teams try to break even in general. You know, maybe it's a few million here up or down from there. And if you have a better season, maybe you get a little bit extra back. If you have a worse season, maybe a little more in the red. And I think that's the way almost every team does it. Um, you know, maybe some teams are you know going to go a little deeper in the red this year. But, but um, everybody gets to pick their spots and invest the way they want. You own a baseball team, a few million up, a few million down. Here's my hashtag, Dustin. Hashtag open the books. I, uh, you, you're telling me after you pay all the fixed costs 
that you make a little bit, you lose a little bit. The, the main question is, is that the owner of the Padres said, look, you, you know, nobody's in this game to make a whole bunch of money. You're in it for the glory, man. Like nobody remembers if the 27 Yankees were profitable. Nobody was looking at the ledger sheet of the big red machine, right? It, it, it's, it's about win, right? Al Davis, win, baby, win. And so nobody just wants win, just win, baby, just win. Right. That, that's my football knowledge. Yeah. Shining through there. <laughs> but that, I had to take that opportunity to correct you on that one. Sorry. But but that's my point, Dustin, is that, look, if you're going to be doing this, if you're going to put a stupid patch on your the, the, the glorious jerseys of baseball, if you're going to put all this stuff out there, then I shouldn't care about luxury taxes and payroll this and this and that. I just want to see the spending. That's it. Well, I think we have to give them, listen, we, we gave them the rope and they spent this offseason. Now, we can all say they could have spent more, but they did spend a, a good amount of money this offseason. And um, he did say that if um, resources are needed come July, that they will supply those resources, right, to Jed and to Carter. Right. So, And I have right to now, believe him. I have to trust him. I have to believe him. Nobody's doubting that. Right now, the Cubs payroll is at $225 million, okay? The competitive balance tax threshold is 233. So that leaves you roughly with 8 million before you trigger that first level of luxury tax, okay? And, you know, he said, we've had, you know, we're, we're able to get players when we need there and no problem, he said, but our goal is, is not to be going over that multiple years when the penalties really start to hit. So you can go one or two over and get minor penalties. And then if you're under, it resets the tax. Okay. And so that's what he's saying is that he'll go one or two years over, but that's about it. And then they will expect to go under again. Well, let's see if they win. And before, before I'm willing to, to kill the guy and to give the guy the grief, let's see what happens. I, I still have good expectations. This is a team that can compete, I believe, and play in October. Now, are they built to win in this October? Right now, no. But let's see what happens if they are on the cusp, and let's see what they do in July, Crowley. Let's hope they flow in the W enough times to get us to that point. But I, I listen, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't believe in giving somebody half a buildo. Okay, you can keep Shohei Otani for half a bildo. I want the Cubs to spend a half a bildo, but on about five players, not on one, not all for one guy. No, thank you. Nobody's but, worth that kind of dough. Nobody. You can't put any more seats in Wrigley Crowley. Do you want to pay more money for season tickets? I doubt it. We already pay the highest. We already pay the highest ticket prices, but we don't have the highest payroll. So how does that work? Well, that's supply and demand. All right. I mean, I, I guess if we're going, I'm not wrong. saying. I mean, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying I agree with you, but I mean, it's not like they're fifteenth in spending, right? Right. They're, ninth. they're not. They're not fifteenth. No, they're ninth. They're and ninth. So what I, would I mean, I would like that. I would like them to be. I would like them to be top five. I, I, I think too. top five. Top I, I five would, would be acceptable. I don't think they have to be the biggest spenders because they have the highest ticket prices or the, the highest experience. Top five would be nice. Let's see if they win this year. If they win this year. They got a lot of guys on one-year deals, too. Right. Got a lot of guys on one-year deals. So let, let's see what happens. Okay? Jason Hayward's and, deal's coming off the books. Jason Hayward officially finally comes off the books. He might not be here, but the money's still here. So let's give them let's give them a little bit of time. Let's enjoy what they did this offseason. Let's embrace it. Let, let's get excited about them you know, breaking camp, coming back to Wrigley. Let's enjoy opening day, and let's see what these team can do in this division, and especially with the new rules. I think they are built very well based on the new rules. And, and, and we, we've had some guests, every one of us, whether it's Ryan Dempster, who's going to be on this show today, whether it was Craig Goldstein talking about the Pakoda projections. A lot of people like the direction this team is, ha is going. I am too. But again, I, I also want this team to extend players. I want them to build a strong core, and I want them to worry primarily about winning and not as much dollars and cents. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 14 of the Fly the W Podcast. And uh, in this one, we have been talking about the Ricketts Revenue Stream. But in this segment... 
Uh, Crowley is going to talk to former Cubs All-Star Ryan Dempster about the Innings Festival. It's a can't-miss spring training celebration for music lovers and passionate baseball fans in Arizona and in Florida. And don't forget, don't forget to download, review, subscribe, and most importantly, listen and like the Fly the W podcast. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have former Cubs All-Star, front office executive, analyst, and host of the Off the Mound show at CubsCon and Marquee Sports Network, Ryan Dempster. Ryan, that is quite the resume. I couldn't even get it out in one breath. How do you find time to do all this? Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a lot of scheduling. I always said that the further out I am, the better. As you know, we were, we were actually going to do this yesterday, but um, you just get um, things happen and I got, you know, kids going all over the place. I got everything from 17 year old, soon to be a 17 year old, all the way down to, uh, you know, a six month old. So between that and baseball and season and shows and all kinds of stuff, it's a busy life, man. Yeah. yeah you, no downtime for you, man. No off season for you. So Cubs convention returned for the first time since 2020 and you've become an important part of the convention since 2015 when you had the first ever off the mound. Did you know it was going to be as beloved part of Cubs con after it debuted? No, I didn't. Um, you know, just having the idea of doing something that we can kind of, you know, show the fans a little lighter side of the player. Um, sure. We ask baseball questions, but it's a little bit more personal and connecting the fan you know, I mean, that's the life we live nowadays with social media and everybody's kind of interconnected or directly connected. And, um, you know, so when we did the first one, it was like, great. And then we brought the band into the fold and really started to turn into kind of a late night talk show type feel. Um, it's It's been a ton of fun, you know, and obviously missing it for um, for a couple of years there really was a bummer. But to be able to bring it back this year and, and put on an unbelievable show, I mean, the production that Marquis did to be able to you know, put that show together visually and then um, the guests that we had and be able to introduce new guys like Bellinger and Swanson and, you know, just to kind of do it all the way we did was it's been a ton of fun. And and I see it when I look out, right. I, I see you, I see the people, I see people in the, in the audience and everybody's got a smile on their face and it's, it's a really, really fun time. Yeah. You know, Cub fans are a particular bunch, especially when it comes to Cubs con. And when something new pops up, it's almost like, Oh my God. And I remember that first time I was like, how's he going to do? And then, it just turned out to be an absolute blast. And, and like you said, just uh, all sorts of moments that came out of it. The, the St. Louis is boring. I remember, you know, the beer pong, all that stuff. And so it was kind of, you know, interesting because like you said, you know, for, you know, when it debuted 2015, 16, 17, all the way to 20, you know, you had the familiar faces, the Rizzo's, the Bryant's, the Jay Hayes, all those guys, Javi. Um, this was interesting because there was so many new faces. Did you feel like it went pretty easy with, with a lot of the new guys? Yeah. You know, just having a couple conversations beforehand with them and, and, and just getting a feel a little bit, um, of, of who they were before we even get into the interview. You know, for me, it was a treat to be able to have Pat Hughes on there, obviously with him, you know, getting the Ford C Frick award this year and going into the hall of fame and, um, you know, the, the new players, it, it is awesome because it is a new generation, right? Like we had this window where we had the same guys and and part of you sad because they're gone. Uh, part of you or me, you know, it's like I grew friendships with these guys. You know, I, I, I lived it kind of right next to them, you know, not on the field, but right beside them as they were going through it. Um, but I just try to smile and remember that those are great memories that nobody can ever take away from me. And now you have a new wave. You have new players. You have new people that um, – you know, uh, are going to be here to try and hopefully create some of those same memories that the other guys did. And so it was really special to kind of turn the page and, and welcome a new kind of era of the Cub ball player and, and what we're going to be accustomed to seeing out there. So a lot of fun. And, and I tell you, like for all the fans that were there and have a good time, I'm having just as much fun in my seat. It's fun making the show, producing the show, putting it all together, um, you know, and then capping it all off with some wine pong at the end of the night was a blast. <laughs> I was going to say, Marquis upgraded the uh, production value. You, know, you went from beer pong to wine pong. So, <laughs> all right. So, the, the reason I invited you, especially, I love having you on anyway, but, um, you know, pitchers and catchers, or, or I'm sorry, position players report on Monday. And this weekend coming up is the Innings Festival. Now, if Woodstock was three days of peace, love, and music, then Innings Festival is two days of music, baseball, food, and beer. Tell the listening uh, the listeners what the Inning Festival is all about. 
Yeah, it was a really just a, a, a brilliant idea by Tim Sweetwood. Um, he runs the festival. Um, Tim had this idea. He loves baseball and he loves music. Um, and, you know, how do we merge these two things together? Because they've been together forever, right? Like if you think about it from organs at the ballpark to the seventh inning stretch, you know, and, you know, the, and you're, you're in the minor leagues going around watching games and you're going to hear, you know, center field blasting through this, the ballpark as the boys take the field and all that kind of stuff. And so it's such an integral part of the game, you know, walk up songs and all this. And he's like, why don't we merge these two things together? Now, primarily a music festival because you have, you know, major acts like, you know, this weekend coming up, it's going to be Green Day and Weezer and, you know, the Black Crows. And then, of course, on Sunday, you got Marcus Mumphrey, you got Eddie Vedder, you got, you know, massive headliners, you know, um, rock stars. Um, but on the left field stage, the way that the festival set up, you have like a home plate stage uh, right along the water in Tempe at the Tempe Beach Park. And then you got another stage, the right field stage, which is kind of, you know, feels probably about a mile away, but it's way down there. And and those two go on an offset. Well, in between, you have the left field stage, which is where our show off the mound sets up. And it's right on a baseball field. And the activations there are so much fun. You got batting cages, you got pitching machines, um, pitch clock where you can time your, you know, how, how hard you throw. Um, you got uh, pits where you can dive in and catch a ball and they catch it on camera. And you got, you know, VR stuff set up, all kinds of different activations. Whereas a baseball fan, you love it. We had the idea, let's bring off the mound there. Um, and I approached him about it. He's like, this is great. And so we do a couple shows on Saturday. We do one show Sunday where, you know, we're having this year, our guests are, um, we got Peter Gammons. We got, um, we got, uh, you know, Mike Cameron, we got Chris Chelios, we got Eddie Vedder, we got, uh, uh, Jake Peavy, Randy Johnson, all these guys at different points throughout the weekend coming up, telling stories, but really that's highlighting even more important than that, their passions away from baseball, you know, like what they do. And you see how talented some of these guys are. It's, it's probably, it's pretty unbelievable, man. Like a guy like Jake Peavy, I mean, this guy opened for Willie Nelson not too long ago, you know, like when's a Cy Young in 07, you know, a couple of times won a world series and and now he's, you know, he's turned himself into a real life rock star. So it's, it's a blast to be able to show that to the fans. They can connect, get autographs, you know, the guys make appearances at the cages so they can take pictures with the people there. And it's really, really a bang up festival. And, uh, and, you know, one of my highlights of the year. Now, talk about the food at Innings Festival, because I think that's one of the overlooked parts of the festival. I went to the festival in 2020. Here's me sitting in a giant glove in Arizona. But I was I was amazed at the at the food. Like, you know, I'm thinking like hot dogs and pizza slices. You know what I mean? It was not that. <laughs> no, they they do it up right. It's it's finding the right vendors and, and bringing in, you know, highlighting maybe. Maybe a chef wants to bring in something, a re- couple really good restaurants around town. It's it's good food. It's, you know, you got the Tito's brings in their their uh, Gulf or what Gulfstream, their Airstream, the big trailer where they do craft cocktails. And you have like, you know, you're going there, you're you're leaving with good, good people, good, great music and great food and great drinks. Like it's it's a good time. And, and one thing that Tim does that I love, Tim's also a big fan of, of Disney, right? He grew up loving Disney and he always marveled at how when you go to Disney World everything's so clean and all the people are so friendly. So at this festival, you know, knock on wood now if you know this is <laughs> going to be my you know, I think sixth festival now doing it. There it is the friendliest, man. Like the the staff is friendly. You leave there at night when it's all over, it's seamless. Everybody's got a smile on their face and everybody just comes there for the same purpose to have a good time, um to have a couple drinks to have some good food and to listen to, you know, hall of fame musicians go out there and rock it out and stop by the left field stage and see off the mound and see hall of fame baseball players and legends of the game. So it is just honestly, like you can't go wrong. And and hence the reason why Saturday's a sold out show. Sunday's almost a sold out show and people want to go. It's the place to be. Yeah. There's an old saying that what athletes want to be rock stars and rock stars want to be athletes. So I think it's interesting that there is that that merge there because those are my two favorite things is music and baseball. And and I love the ball players that you know have appeared over the years. You know, you've had Rick Sutcliffe, so anyone who's been to CubsCon knows Sutz a hoot. Uh, you've had Miggy out there, Lou Pinella. So there's a Cubs connection. But like you said also, Roger Clemens, Jake Peavy, Tim Raines, just a just a whole whole group of guys that are just absolutely unbelievable. And they do show that. And and you talked about Pete Gammons. Peter Gammons can play too. 
Yeah, I mean, this guy, like, you know, you didn't want to talk about playing the guitar. This guy's played with Buddy Guy, Derek Trucks. You know, like he he's done the All Star Jams every year for Theo's event, and um, he he really does. He's got his own album. I mean, this is a guy that's been covering the game. I mean, he was Yaz's personal shagger. You know, back in Boston, <laughs> the day when Yastrzemski would take early batting practice, Gammons is out there sh shagging balls, and you know, and he gets up there and he's you know knows the game as much as anybody. So I'm really looking forward to that one, having him talk you know stories and sharing those moments. Maybe we'll get a guitar in his hand and he he can shred something up there, but it's it's fun to be able to kind of to show that you know because and i'm the same way like i'm a fan of the game and i'm you know obviously an ex-player so i i get the you know the player idolization part of it all um because i did that when i was a kid and i still do to this day when i see certain players but i think humanizing them has been the whole point of off the mound is you know we we live in a world with fantasy sports right and and betting on sports and then we learn to hate a player because he he screwed up a game and and the reality is is they're just humans right like they just they put their pants on one leg at a time um it's the same thing so when we can show that and that interaction you know a perfect example my uncle couldn't stand roger clemens didn't like roger with all the history of what went on there and i and he came to one of the shows a couple years ago and roger clemens was on there and he after the festival my uncle russ he's like my biggest fan been following me around my whole career he said it totally changed my opinion of roger clemens like <laughs> And that's what I'm looking for because he's a human, you know, like sports are sports, man. They come and go, but that, I, that was pretty cool. I'm going to laugh because I have my own personal example of this and you know where I'm going with this is that <laughs> this was on marquee. I was sitting there and you know me, I watch marquee 24 seven. I click it on there and there's Demp at, at the innings festival. And who are you on stage with my nemesis, AJ Perzinski. Now <laughs> l let me just say two things. Number one, I was at the game that AJ and Barrett that I was at the South side at that game when, when AJ and Barrett get into it, right. AJ, uh, a, uh, Barrett punches AJ and there's a big melee going on and guys are getting tossed. And didn't John Mabry get, 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 uh, get thrown out he, for some reason. <laughs> he got, and he got thrown around from behind by Brian Anderson, actually really messed up Mabes, but Mabes got thrown out. He's like, I didn't do anything. How did I get thrown out? <laughs> I remember so I that. Was... And then to make it worse is that uh, Przinsky in the ninth inning, Przinsky always talks smack about the Cubs. I mean, that's just his personality. But then he hits a, a game-winning three-run homer off you, I think, uh, at Wrigley, right? Yeah, well, that was before. That was before or after that. Yeah, he yeah. Did a, I had two out, nobody on. It was a, a little base hit, infield base hit, then a walk, and then I hung a slider and he hit it. Still to this day, I, I said it on the show, it's the worst, worst moment of my career. A three-run home run to A.J. Przinsky at Wrigley is like hands down. I just like, it's worse than my entire 2000 and, and, uh, and three season where I had Tommy John. That's how bad it was. Well, I will tell you that I hated him less. I disliked him less after seeing you guys having fun <laughs> on the stage, but, but Demp, I do still have this. It's getting framed. It is a 16 by 20 signed by Barrett and Przinsky of that punch from that day. So it is going on my wall. But but like I said, I, I learned it. to hate him a little less on there. Um, the music. Is Tim the guy that picks out all the artists? Do you ever have any uh, input on on that? No, like, yeah, we talked. But, like, yeah, that's him, man. He he really, you know, he's obviously got relationships with different festivals he does throughout the, um, the country. But um, bringing these guys in and just kind of, you know, uh, finding a, a genre or an area and trying to hit that you know this is kind of a little bit more nostalgia right you got like the black crows and offspring and weezer you know generation generationally it's a little bit more probably my high school years type thing and then you know we go to florida and you get a little bit more mainstream with you know although you have dave matthews but you got like pitbulls down there like you got all these different kind of uh ways that he goes about it and and just trying to find you know Obviously, what will sell, that's the most important part. You want a full house in there um, and, and really good musicians and people who get it. You know, I think that's like one of the nice things, too, is, you know, the, the bands that get it every time backstage in the backstage area. There's a big, huge section where all the trailers are set up for every and guys are out there mingling around and they're all so friendly and so nice. And they're there for the same reason. They're there, um, you know, to make sure their fans have a good time and and put on a good show for them. And they're and they're nice people. And. And I think Tim really stresses that he's he's one of the nicer guys I met. And, um, you know, he really tries to uh, bring that with the people that are there, not only the musicians, but the, the athletes as well. Now, one of the headliners you have this weekend coming up is Eddie Vedder. And, and there isn't a Cub fan alive who doesn't know Eddie's connection 
to the Cubs. How much fun does that make it for you to have that Cubs slash rock star connection with Eddie that he's able to kind of, you know, for Cub fans, it always feels like he's one of us. Yeah, well, he is. You know, it's funny, man. I've, I've been to plenty of games with Ed. Um, when he's in that moment, he walks in that ballpark, he, he automatically reverts to that little kid that went to that first game at Wrigley with his grandfather, you know, and, and he just is a baseball fan. He keeps score. He uses a scorecard and keeps score. Um, he's into the game. You know, he follows throughout the season, um, you know, all the way dating back. I remember Joe Madden was daily texting him the lineup um, <laughs> daily as to what the lineup was. And him and Rossi have that same friendship and relationship. And it's like, what's going on with the team? And, and he really, really loves it. He goes, he's gone to Randy Hunley's fantasy camp multiple times. You know, he, he has a, the warehouse in Seattle where he's got a batting cage and he loves to hit and he loves to just be around the game. And I think for him, it's a nice detachment from, you know, the lifestyle of a rock star to just be a fan and be a fan of something that he loves. And, and he's passionate about his Cubs and um, he really, really cares. So it's going to be fun to have him, you know, come both for the show on Saturday. We, he's going to do the, the late show on Saturday and then obviously his performance on Sunday night. And, um, you know, it was funny, a funny story about that. So a couple of years ago when he did the festival, he, he did the solo show and he said, hey, you know, maybe some of you guys could come up on stage at the end of the show and we're going to do Hard Sun and you guys can just do the, you know, the harmony part of it. And so we get up there and uh, and you don't really like know the true impact of, of what that feels like to be the rock star when you look out there and there's, you know, 20,000 fans screaming at you and, and he's singing hard son and he's, he's got the guitar, right. And these veins are popping in his neck and he's looking at us. Like he's got this face, like, let's go, you know, like get into it, you know? And I'm like, I'm scared shitless, dude. I'm like, <laughs> Holy cow, dude, this is intense, you know? And it's just like, you really see how much he pours energy wise into like giving it, that's his number one goal when he walks out there on that stage. And yeah, I just, obviously we're, we're really good friends and um, you know, have developed a great relationship over the years, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy his love of baseball and I think he enjoys my love of music. Now, unfortunately COVID canceled the 2021 innings festival, but when it came back in 2022, that's when you added the second location in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually 2020, we were the last festival in the world. Um, yeah that that went off because shortly after that like literally like 10 days after that the world shut down and then and then tim had the idea of uh of doing uh tampa and a little different dynamic you know your setup wise is a little different as far as the way the stages are um you know an incredible uh, festival again though but you're right there in the raymond james parking lot next to the yankees complex next to the buck stadium and um and and a fun time too and to be able to do it in both places you know i think personally just like i think arizona is a little better because you have all these teams and all these fans from all these baseball teams in one kind of area in yeah. scottsdale phoenix area a mesa area all that it's all real close florida's a little bit more spaced out so it's harder to get everybody over there but still a good festival yeah, and, and 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 this was a picture from that innings festival in 2020. So, like you said, I, I was there. I was there Saturday, Sunday. I came home, and about like a week, like you said, week to ten days later, everything was shut down. So, the innings festival in Arizona. You said there are still a few tickets for Sunday. Saturday is sold out, and and Green Day is absolutely one of the best acts I've ever seen. I've just, uh, seen them at Wrigley, uh, Weezer, and and so there are still tickets for Sunday. And so that's this weekend. And then the date is, and then you have a Magic Dragons, Weezer, Pitbull in Florida. And are there still tickets available for that show? Yeah, still tickets available in Tampa. Um, I think Sunday's filling up pretty fast. Both Saturday and Sunday are are going good, but still tickets available there. Just just like it was in, you know, in Arizona when we first started doing this and Tim really first kicked off the festival and got it going. Um, you know, it, it takes a while to kind of gain that reputation and, you know, now Arizona, everybody knows about it. People actually plan their vacations around it. Because you think about this on Saturday, you can go to opening day of Cubs spring training at Sloan Park, watch an entire game, and then get over and watch Green Day at night. As well as some of those other acts, you can come over to the left field stage and watch off the mound. Like you can make the most unbelievable Saturday, you know, for spring training. And, and it's really, really awesome. And so, um, yeah, just go to innersfest.com. Tickets are still available. Follow on Instagram. We, we're always plugging it out there. If you're down in Tampa in the third weekend of March, man, come come on out because it's a blast. Speaking off the mound, when when are we going to get some new episodes of that on Marquee? Yeah, well, the nice part too is we'll 
we're going to tape all of these ones um, down in AZ. So we'll cut those into shows as well and, um, and bring that out and, um, and show, show a little bit more, right. The ability to show some other, some other guys out there and um, some connections in there. Like I said, having Chelios, I'm going to try and get Chelios, you know, we do, we like to be interactive as you know, at off the mound and, and do fun things. And we've done uh, the hall of fame home run derby where we, hit balls um, off the tee. Jim Tomey did it. Um, Johnny Gomes did it where we hit the balls over the fence. Well, we're going to get Chelios. We're going to get a hockey stick and see if we can get him to fire some shots over. But, you know, given I look at the totality of 26 years of how many goals that is, if it's, if we do target practice, he might not be good, but if it's cross checking somebody in the back or fighting him in the corner, I think that Chelios will win hands down. So it'll be a, be a lot of fun. We're going to have a good time. I know you love your hockey as well. Are you going to maybe give a couple of shots or no? <laughs> maybe yeah i i got a, i got a nice cozy little wrist shot that floats in there you know nothing that's going to beat a goalie but if you need me to dump it into a corner i can do that all right ryan i you know before we let you go i gotta ask 2023 off-season projections for the season we've we've, we've been talking about pakoda and their 70 70 77 wins when you look at this team that jed and carter and, and the rest of the organization has put together what would you tell Cub fans to kind of, you know, as far as your expectations for the upcoming 2023 season? Yeah, I, I think that, like, honestly, like when I look at it, I think there's a chance to win the division. Um, I think the Cardinals are going to be tough, obviously, right? Like, they're always tough. That's just how it is. Um, I think Milwaukee has starting pitching that's going to keep them in games. And, and you know, there's a, the, the Reds are, you know, kind of in that rebuild mode. Um, the Pirates are always in a rebuild mode, but um, <laughs> look at additions, you know, and it's hard to judge last year because especially September when you have, you know, a winning streak and the guys played really well, they, they managed the bullpen really well, but that does give you a lot of positive signs. And you go get Jamison Tyon, you get Cody Bellinger on a one-year deal, which I think is a great move. You get Dansby Swanson, proven winner, gold glover, you know, all-star MVP type candidate player up the middle. Um, and you add all these other little pieces along the way, you know, getting a guy like Michael Fulmer and Tucker Barnhart and all these little things that you do, you just create depth. And then you have these young players that were already coming. Hey man, you might be in AAA again and, and you might be insurance or you might make a team. You might, we never know what's going to happen as a player. When those Pagoda, 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 who cares how you say it? And they come out, we laugh at those because it's like, you don't know. I mean, you can predict it. We get it. There's data that says this is how this person's going to be. But if guys have above average years, now all of a sudden you go from 77 to 87 or you go to 77 to 89 wins or 90 wins and you're in the playoffs. And, and it doesn't matter. You just go out there. If you're coached well, which they are, and you got leaders on that club, which they do, then you have accountability and then you have the ability to just go out there and play the game and, and, it really, it, it doesn't matter. And so I think they have a chance to win the division. I truly believe that. I'm not blowing smoke. I mean that. I said it before those ratings ever came out. Right. I think, you know, I, I echo what Cliff Floyd said. 77 wins will be a failure for this team because they're better than that. They, these guys are good baseball players, and I think they're going to prove that. I agree 100%. I, I, I want to ask you as a player, former player, new rule, pitch clock, how do you think you would have adapted or would you have enjoyed having that pitch clock there with you? I wouldn't have needed it. I needed it later on in my career because I needed to take deep breaths so I could get it over 90 again, you know. <laughs> but um, when I was younger, you know, especially most of my career and, and for the most part, I, I worked pretty quick. Like as far as, you know, when the last outs made, I'm out on the field throwing warm up pitches. I can't tell you how many times I was waiting on a position player to get to where they need to be so we could start the inning. Like uh, commercial breaks coming back and I'm just like, I've already thrown my warm up pitches. Let's go. I believe in action. Let's work. Let's throw. You know, I, I, I went down the baseball reference page and there's a lot of two hour games in that those games I threw. Um, I just I liked that. I think it promotes a lot of things. I think it promotes guys swinging the bat. I think the more guys are throwing on a regular basis quickly, that the more strikes they throw. Um, there's a lot of good things that come out of the pitch clock. So for me, I, I love it. Um, I, listen, I could go to Wrigley Field and watch six hours of baseball. I love baseball. This isn't about the length of the game. 
It's about the pace. How fast is it moving? How much action is there is? Nowadays, you go to a game, I can get up, I can go to the bathroom, get a beer and a hot dog and come down back to my seat and nobody's been on base and nobody's hit the ball. The ball. Like Nothing's happened because that's just the game we're playing and I think it's really going to promote a lot of action. I watched it in the minor leagues um, when I was down there um, and so I think that it's going to do the same thing at the big league level. I 100% agree, Ryan. I thank you so much for your time um, and, and obviously people can follow you on Marquee. You're on Twitter, and, and you want to give out your Twitter handle for yourself, the show, and the Extra Inning Festival? Yeah, actually, I, the big follow, if you go Dempster4646 on Instagram, I uh, I, I took a little uh, a Twitter break for a little while, so I'm on a hiatus. I don't know when I'm going to come back. It has nothing to do with the verified blue check. I just I just took a little break for a little while. So, But, yeah, if you go to Instagram, follow me on Instagram. I'm always posting stuff that's going on, especially when it comes to off the mound. Um, and, uh, and you can also follow innings best on, on Instagram, but, um, at Dempster 46 on Twitter and at Dempster 46, 40 or 46, 46 on Instagram. So, um, yeah. And then anytime we're on marquee trying to do stuff, I'll be calling some games middle of March and, uh, uh call them the Canada and, uh, and, and the Cubs game March 8th. I can't wait. My boys from team Canada trying to shock the world and upset some people at the w, WBC. And, and rooting for Owen Casey, too. I will be at that game, Demp. I can't wait to see you out in Arizona, and thank you so much for coming on. You got it, brother. Take care. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is segment number three of season two, episode number 14, Ricketts Revenue Streams. And uh, I'm always joined by my buddy Crowley, and we encourage you to download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Crowley, uh, Mesa has had worse weather than we have, maybe uh, simulating April weather at Wrigley Field. I don't know, Dustin. All I know is that I only got like two weeks before I'm out there, so I'm expecting a heat wave or I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> Fingers crossed for you, Crowley. Something else that might keep these guys warm are the muscles. A couple of uh, our favorite Cubs from uh, Seiya Suzuki to Christopher Morell are uh, beefing up, getting jacked. We've seen Seiya flexing for the cameras yeah you know there's not been a lot of notes coming out of sloan so uh we we kind of took a look and see we saw that say suzuki you know we've talked about his his uh muscular build this year so far coming in best shape of his life but christopher morell's put on a little muscle but when he oh, saw no, they said 25 pounds <laughs> i'm just telling you compared to say say looks like a beast say looks like he's ready to like swing a, a a tree out there instead of a baseball bat but uh, Morell told Saya that he's going to get as big as him next offseason, in which Saya replied, you're just going to get slow. So Saya's giving him some advice, and uh, hopefully uh, Morell will listen to that. Let's talk about uh, Saya a little bit more. So Saya has uh, beefed up, and then one of the big uh, off-season moves, so the 2024 hot stove, is going to be Shohei Otani, who hasn't necessarily said that he's definitely not going to be an angel moving forward, but he has said that he does intend to test out free agency. Seiya and Shohei are uh, teammates on the Japanese team for the World Baseball Classic, and he's uh, more than happy to try to recruit him over to Wrigley Field. Yeah, that, that's that's something you like to hear. See, Dustin, the baseball classic's not all that bad. Seiya is going to be doing some recruiting of Shohei, and uh, the reporters asked about it, and, and Suzuki replied that he's invited him to join the team. So I would be quite happy to you know get even more pitching depth. Now you're talking about a real ace plus a slugger plus a real DH. Now now we're talking here. So uh, you know I'm hoping that Seiya gets that pitch going and does you know a little bit better than he did with uh, Kodai Senga, but we'll see. All right, something else we've done quite a bit during the offseason, Crowley, is we've talked about the different lists, right? The different top this, top that. Well, Fangraphs has a top 100 prospect list, and it includes some of the uh, Cubs that we've uh, tried to help the podcast listeners know during this offseason. Yeah, for the for the big prospects that were on that list by Fangraphs, you have Pete Crow Armstrong who made the list, which we've talked about. Kevin Alcantara, who everybody is just kind of really getting excited about. Your guy Hayden Wesniski is on there, and then uh, we see Christian Hernandez pop up. He is a shortstop, and he is um, he was signed uh, from the um, international draft, and that is uh, that is something. This kid is really. Really, a lot of people believe in him, but he hasn't really played much, so he really kind of just got his feet wet last year. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with him, if he's going to continue and play in Arizona after spring training ends, or if they might take a shot and, and put him in Myrtle Beach. My guess is he's going to stay in Arizona. Yeah, probably a pretty good guess indeed. So 670 The Score, Crowley, where uh, I produce the Mully and Haw Show is the official radio home of Cubs baseball. And they've got 10 spring training games. And the first one is this weekend when they're taking on the Giants. Yeah, so for all you scoreheads and radio listeners out there, you got February 21st, the first game, Cubs versus Giants. They're also going to February the game- 25th. February the 25th. 25th, sorry, Cubs versus Giants at 2 p.m. And then you're going to have the Cubs versus White Sox game, which I will be at. Cubs versus Dodgers. The Cubs at Dodgers, where I might be at. I'm not sure about that one yet. Cubs at Brewers, Cubs at Rockies, Cubs Giants versus the Padres, Royals, Angels, and then finishing on March 27th versus the White Sox. So a friend of the podcast, Alex Cohen, the play-by-play voice, of your Iowa Cubs is going to be taking uh, the the initial game with uh, Coom Dog, right? Right. Him and Ron Coomer will be that game. And then the rest of the games, it'll be some combination of the great uh, Pat Hughes and uh, Zach Sadman. I think we got to start uh, referring to him as Hall of Famer Pat Hughes, right? Probably. That's how we'll be signing his autographs moving forward. And Crawley, with spring training games coming up this weekend, we're going to finish this one out with an interview with Justin Piper, GM, spring training business ops, for Sloan Park. You're going to be out there soon. He's going to give everybody the tips that you need if you're planning to come out to Mesa this spring, and maybe you'll see Crowley. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am happy to welcome Justin Piper from Sloan Park in Arizona. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in Mesa. Isn't it always a beautiful day in Mesa? Um, tell our listeners what your title is with the Cubs here. So I'm the general manager of Sloan Park, which is our beautiful spring training home here in Mesa, Arizona, um, and oversee our facility operations and everything on the business side uh, for the Cubs here. Now, the Cubs moved into Ho-Ho Cam right around 2014, or I'm sorry, from Ho-Ho Cam to Sloan 2014 and was Cubs Park then in 2015, uh, then it became Sloan Park. Um, you have your first couple games coming up this weekend. You got a game against the Giants on the 25th and the Dodgers on the 26th. What do fans need to know? Are there still tickets available for those games? Yeah, absolutely. On the 25th, uh, that's a home game at Sloan Park. The 26th is an away game, but uh, tickets are still available um, as of at least right now when I checked before the the podcast. But um yeah, it's our, our first game here for the 2023 spring training campaign. And we just kicked off yesterday with a nice fan celebration for the first full squad workout. So uh, we're really excited to open the gates here and usher in 2023. How did that go on uh, with the, you know, obviously position players, full squad. Did people just, was that in the ballpark or was that on the practice field, like practice field two? Yeah. So it was across a couple of our practice fields. As you know, in spring training, uh, the team uses the full facility here. Uh, but a lot of the action was around field one for, at the Nike Performance Center here. So uh, we had batting practice, infield, outfield work. Uh, the team took some live batting practice, so uh, live pitching there. Um, and we had, man, it's hard to count the number of fans, but a, a packed house. And uh, it was a great day out. Oh, I was jealous. My social media, I saw everybody getting pictures with their favorite players. And I think when it comes down to um, Sloan Park and, and spring training and the difference between Sloan and Wrigley is just the accessibility that you have with the players. You mentioned the Nike Performance Center. That road leads right to Sloan Park, to the stadium. And there's all sorts of tailgating and fun things going on all the time. Uh, what, what can fans expect when they're out there tailgating and, and, and players start to come by? Yeah, I think one of the unique things, as you mentioned, uh, workouts on a typical day uh, for a 1.05 p.m. game start at maybe 9.30 in the morning. The team gets out, takes a stretch, and then uh, could be on many of the practice fields. So there's six full practice fields um, and the, the stadium itself. So fans can come watch practice, watch the workouts on the backfields. Um, there's a park all around the facility, a uh, beautiful park the uh, city of Mesa built. 
fans can tailgate and just enjoy the the pregame festivities before they head into the ballpark. Yeah. Now, once you, you know, as far as it goes, you guys have a lot of fun things that are kind of around there. You mentioned the backfields, all the different fields. Um, one thing I always tell fans too, personally is, is, uh, you know, sunscreen and hydration, those two things, you guys, as far as beverages being allowed into the ballpark, what's the rule on that? Yeah, absolutely. It's great to stay hydrated here. The uh, snunk sun can sneak up on you, uh, but sealed bottled waters are allowed into the ballpark. We also have water fountains throughout the facility. Um, so there is uh, a way to always get some water. And then, uh, as you know, we introduced Coca-Cola as a partner this year. So we'll have our Coke products throughout the ballpark. Oh, perfect for me. That's absolutely perfect. Um, you know, now the other thing that people need to know that I think is important because some people kind of come, they don't realize this, is that Sloan is cashless. So, you know, ever since COVID, you know, you guys, you guys have went cashless and that's something that people need to know as they're coming out to Sloan, correct? Yes. So the, the ballpark from parking to the concessions and team store is all cashless uh, throughout the facility. Um, and we accept all the major, you know, digital and uh, credit card payment types. Now, now, Justin, I was going to ask, you know, the, you you mentioned the store and I love the store. Every time I go, I, I sit there and I spend way too much money. Do you guys come up with the designs? Because there are unique like Sloan Park and uh, spring training and some kind of like, you know, that are like similar to the Arizona flag with the Cub logo on it. Do you guys come up with that or who comes up with that? Yeah, so uh, there's there's quite a few designs. Obviously, um, MLB comes up with the you know, the official campaign that they roll out for spring training that has that look and feel across all of the 30 clubs. Uh, but our team at Rank and Rally uh, work with New Era and some of the other providers to come up with the unique spring training uh, logos and, and kind of fun designs. And I will say that it's definitely a fan favorite. Um, it's, it's cool to see every year the new merch kind of roll through and and see what kind of the new look and feel is uh, across all the, the various uh, licensed providers. Uh, abs absolutely. I, like I said, I, I buy too much stuff every time I go out there. <laughs> now, you, gosh, when, when you sit there for years, and I don't know if you're doing this again this year, so I have to ask. My, my mom's actually going to the uh, first game you guys are having on Saturday. Um, do you guys, Fergie Jenkins used to be there with his charity signing autographs. Do you know if Fergie's making a return or no? So Fergie is not uh, coming back this year. No, um, he he just he moved on from that, um, but he won't be back at the park. No, no I know he, it'll be missed. It was it was great to see him and um, all the other former players that he would bring in, and uh, it was great fun to visit with those guys. So that'll be missed this year. Yeah, good guys. And and the one thing I always tell people if they've never been to Sloan Park is once you go, you got to get your first timer certificate. Where would fans find the first timer certificate? Yeah, so uh, that's an easy one. When you walk into the ballpark, look for the the Sloan Park marquee. That's a replica of the the Wrigley marquee that we all know and love. It's by the first base gate, but right adjacent to that is our information. Uh, booth and our staff there and the Mesa Ho cams who work spring training um, and have for 70 plus years um, are there and they'll they'll issue those first timer certificates. And and that's the thing about I don't I don't know if it's just the spring training vibe in general, but the but the workers they're all so friendly, so nice, and a lot of there's also a lot of familiar faces from Chicago that come and work at Sloan Park, right? Yeah, we're blessed. There's a, a number of. Uh, the people that you may know uh, from Wrigley Field that, that come down and enjoy their couple months out here for spring training as well. Maybe they're training for uh, their 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 upcoming Wrigley year, right? Uh, but that, and then the Mesa Ho Cams who um, attracted the Cubs to Mesa back in 1952. Um, so if I'm doing my quick math correctly, this would be the 71st year um, They've been hosting Cubs fans in Mesa, Arizona. Wow. Now, another good thing for people to know is that like everybody kind of wants to go in that very, that gate behind home plate, right? But there's three other entrances that people can get in. So they kind of don't get stuck and get bottlenecked right there. Where else can fans enter the gate besides that home plate entrance? 
Yeah, you know, it's right by home plate. The players come across the walkway that you were talking about earlier. Uh, so it's definitely a busy gate, but uh, there are four gates. Um, there's one at home, first, right field, and center field. So uh, you got the really the full ballpark covered, um, and fans can access any of those gates. We open 90 minutes prior to first pitch, so all the gates would be open at that time. Nice. And one thing that fans love at Wrigley, and you guys do it at Sloan too, is kids run the bases every Sunday, correct? Yes, we do. And I think we have three Sundays on the calendar this year. So uh, it's always one of those favorites when you get to see the kids out there uh, running the bases. Now, um, as far as this year is concerned, there is something fun that I will be attending. You guys are going to be hosting a World Baseball Classic game on the 8th against Team Canada. That's That's got to be exciting for the Sloan crew. Yeah, it's a unique uh, a unique game for this year's spring training schedule. As you know, the World Baseball Classic uh, will be p- played this spring. And the teams that are going to be playing in the Classic at Chase Field will be playing spring training exhibition games against the major league teams. We happen to be hosting Canada here uh, for a couple days uh, in March, and the Cubs will take the field against Canada before they begin their uh, World Baseball Classic quest. Yeah, Owen Casey's going to be on the Canadian side, not wearing a Cubby uniform. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a guy that loves to sit in the berm, but there are other places that you can sit as well, um, you know, in the bowl. And then I will be going to what the, the rooftop on the 10th against the White Sox. So that's a lot of fun too. Any other good locations you recommend people if they're looking for tickets, kind of something new or different to try at Sloan? Yeah, as you mentioned, the Sun Seekers usually gravitate towards the, the outfield berm. It's got that bleacher type feel out there. Uh, for those seeking the shade, um, some of the areas behind home plate and behind the dugouts. Um, and then the Budweiser rooftop, as you mentioned, it's a great place. It's a real it's got a great bird's eye view of the field um, out there and left in a real social place with about 800 fans up there. Right. And I, and I talked to, I talked to Peggy from Sloan. You guys just have such a great partnership together. It, it's really been something I think that's worked out for both parties on that one. Absolutely. Sloan's been a fantastic partner of the Cubs and uh, we're thrilled to be working with them every year at Sloan Park. Justin, I appreciate you taking some time. Any last uh, any last pieces of advice for Cub fans as they come out to Mesa? Yeah, I would just say it's going to be a great spring in 2023. We're eager to get going after a couple crazy years down in spring training. Uh, and we have a lot that, that's new here, including our, our new scoreboard, food and beverage offerings, um, and just really kind of bringing everything back. So it's going to be a great spring and we're really looking forward to welcome everyone through the gates. I saw pictures of that scoreboard and it looks phenomenal. I can't wait to see the pictures. And, and like you said, Justin, it's been a few years since we've had a normal one. I remember sitting in the little circle hula hoop type things and people with the mask signs running around. It's great just to be back to normal and have a normal spring training. Absolutely. We'll see you down here in Mesa this spring. All right, Justin, you take care, and we hope to talk to you soon. Take care. That's a wrap. Season 2, Episode 14 is in the books. Next time we record, the Cubs will have played not one but two spring training games, one against the Giants and one against the Dodgers, and we will recap them for you on this podcast. That's a wrap. Season 2, Episode 14, Ricketts Revenue Streams is in the books. Crawley, have yourself a fantastic weekend, and enjoy these first two spring training games. I will, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of news breaking as far as the one now that we actually have actual games to talk about. So make sure you follow us on the socials, fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram, fly the W on Facebook. You can email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. And for real now, go Cubs. It's all over.